Online communities, classroom culture, and personal relationships have something in common. Whether it's forming a strong emotional bond, feeling included and accepted, or having an attachment to others, feeling like we belong makes us happy. Ever wonder why? Join me, Dr. Eileen Winokur, for my bi-weekly podcast, Journeys to Belonging, as I discuss my personal and professional experiences with belonging and interview educators and others as they share their stories of belonging. At the end of every episode, I'll offer advice about how we can all feel like we belong. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. In today's uh, episode, I am really pleased and I'm so happy and excited to have my guest, Scott Noons. Scott is a podcaster himself, and I hope we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about that. And he's somebody that I met at Miss ISTE last year, and I was just so impressed by his kindness, by his real um, interest in, in people and networking with people and getting to know people. And so I said, I have to have him on my podcast. And I was so excited when he agreed. Uh, Scott, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really say too much about you, but I'd love for you to tell us about um, what you think is important for our listeners to know. Um, I think the most important thing is that I love people. Relationships are really important to me inside the classroom and outside. So professionally, when I'm at things like ISTE, making those new relationships stick and keeping those tight bonds with older relationships is paramount for me when I go to conferences and just uh, throughout the you know, social media universe, I guess, whenever I'm on social media, it's all about keeping up those important relationships to me. And podcasting is huge for me for that reason. It, it allows me to go deeper on a professional level with some people that I know. And I have two podcasts, the TNT EdTech podcast with my buddy, Matthew Ketchum. And then I just started education today and that is just me. And right now I'm in the middle of a series that focuses on the importance of women in education. So I'm really excited about that. That is really exciting. And I, I've listened to that podcast. Well, I live and listen to both podcasts. And uh, I know you have quite a lot more experience at podcasting than I do. So it's really interesting that you started the second podcast with a completely different theme to it, um, which really meets a niche in the, I think, edu podcasting community. So that's really, really exciting. I also wanted to congratulate you. I, I hear that you're the teacher of the year for Q Central California's Emerging Leaders. Yes, that was quite an honor. I didn't get it for the whole state, but I did get it for uh, my region, which includes six counties. So I'm still really proud of that. Uh, I've worked hard. <laughs> so it's nice to get some recognition in this field. As you know, it can be a thankless job at times. And especially when you're working hard, you may not see the fruits of your labor. So it's really nice to be recognized. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be recognized and appreciated. How long have you yes. been teaching, Scott? 
So I have not been teaching that long. I'm completing my fourth year. And so to get that Emerging Teacher of the Year Award, you need to be teaching less than four years. And now I'm transitioning into an ed tech coaching role. Wow. Are you excited? You must be excited about that. That's right. Really up your excited. Alley. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it's a very natural fit. I used to be a graphic designer before this. And so it kind of blends teaching with what I was doing with tech beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really, really exciting. Well, I know that, you know, you've just mentioned uh, when you introduced yourself, in fact, it's one of the first things you mentioned is that you're all about relationships. And I know when I met you at ISTE, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, networking and making connections and so forth. So my first question is, if I say to you, um, sense of belonging or the word belonging, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? First thing is a synonym, welcoming, you know, being open and bringing people in. When I think of belonging, I first think of welcoming people into the fold and giving them that sense of belonging that I myself may yearn for most of us. I, I feel like one of life's goals for pretty much everyone is to be loved, you know, not necessarily at that romantic level, but, you know, um, at the most basic level. So uh, I try and give that as much as possible. Right. Yeah. And to, to make people feel that welcome to feel, be feel, uh, to feel included. I think that whole idea of wel welcoming is, is to feel included. Um, so you, you mentioned about uh, investing heavily in relationships. So can you describe how you do this and why it's so important to you? Right. I would say professionally right now, something that I do is hopping on social media, particularly Twitter, and then doing uh, Zoom calls right now during this time. Uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, just to stay connected and kind of have certain tactics for my local PLN and PLCs and then tactics for my national and international PLN and PLC. So social media allows me to do both. Uh, I have to be very intentional and make time uh, out of every day to keep up those relationships. Uh, especially the professional one. So it is a time investment, but I have chunked out times for that and chunked out times for my family so that there's this work-life balance uh, between everything. I'm able to share a little bit of myself with everyone and able to receive a little bit of everyone. And that really fills my bucket. Yeah, that's, that's really important. I know when I've talked to people about getting involved in social media, and it was something that I was really worried about too when I first got involved, was uh, feeling overwhelmed and letting it sort of take over your life. And it's so great that you've been able to find um, that you've sought a, a balance between how much time you spend with family and doing other things aside from the, the time that you invest in you know, your relationships on the social media. And sometimes, sometimes it's hard to keep that balance, but I think if we're mindful about it, uh, it it's really helpful. Um, about re relationships within your classroom with your students, 
how do you go about establishing that, let's say at the beginning of the year and then during the year? And, and then at this time when you're really not in the classroom anymore, how, how have you been able to establish those relationships and then keep those relationships with your students going? Because it's been really hard for everybody. Right. That's a great question. Uh, I really like that question. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I'm very intentional as well. That first week, really first two weeks, every activity and assignment I'm doing is geared toward getting to know my students. So I do, typically I don't do worksheets or packets, but that first week I do have a small lighthearted packet with fun activities. <clears throat> I got it off Teachers Pay Teachers, which I also generally don't like, but I really like this packet. It, it brings out a lot of personal information from my students in a fun, engaging way. So we play games. Um, we fill out just little questionnaires like, uh, what are your top 10 favorite things to do? something like that. Um, and they have to create a motto. And so there are some ELA elements embedded in there, but they're very subtle. So everybody fills out this packet, which I love. And then at the end is my favorite part where they have three different prompts to choose from and they write a personal essay about themselves. And so this is where I get the juicy stuff. And I keep those essays all year long because they are jam packed with information and the students become very revealing. Um, they'll tell me their greatest achievement or their greatest loss. And so it's generally with that first assignment in that first week, I find out, you know, kind of who's who and can focus my, my energies and start intentionally building those relationships like if somebody has a parent that's in incarcerated or has a loss in the family then I know oh be on the lookout this person just lost their parent and you know they they might need some additional right. supports or this person is very driven they're driven by goals and achievements okay uh, I'm going to need to be aware of that to help support them or this person's an athlete or this person really has trouble sharing or this person isn't really valued. So how can I uplift this person on a regular basis and let them know, Hey, you, you matter in this classroom. And right now that's been hard because where I'm at, students aren't required to log in. They're encouraged to log in. And uh -huh. thankfully my students are logging in, but there isn't this, back and forth. We do have some synchronous options, but my students aren't attending a lot of those. Most of it's asynchronous using Flipgrid. So I'll record a video and they'll record a video back, but I wish the participation was higher. Right now I'm getting most of my students just trying to elevate their grade by doing makeup work. Um, we are engaging in new learning but none of the new learning is being graded. It's yeah. just for enrichment. Do you feel like it's lack of access or that, um, I mean, even in terms of time, I know that uh, you know, if, if families only have one device and the parents are on for work or whatever, and that happens to be a time when they're not you know, able to get on the device or something, there are different reasons I know that parents have talked about 
that make it difficult for their children to be involved. Um, do you get any kind of sense from your students about why they're not, some of them aren't able to do the synchronous learning? I think it has to do with the level that they're at. So 95% of my students are actually logging in and checking out the work, but they're actually not doing it. It's a pick and choose. Oh. So they'll, they'll do the parts they, they want to do. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the fun things, and yeah. not the, the hardier things where I'm giving a small lecture on Romeo and Juliet, something like that, and really breaking down the different acts and the nuances in uh, Shakespeare, <laughs> they're, they're not responding back to those types of assignments so well, but if yeah. it's a, a fun little check-in or we had um, uh, a poem creation, uh, a set of different poems for National Poetry Month and National Haiku Day. So I got a lot of participation on those days, which I was really proud of, but now that we're getting back into our novel studies, not so much. And in terms of access, uh, we have one-to-one -one devices district-wide for 30,000 students. I'm really proud of our district. Oh, that's for, wonderful. Yeah. So one kid or one device per kid, uh, TK through 12 here in the States. And in terms of internet, at least at my level, what I'm seeing, I think everybody has it. And I know we plan to roll out some individual Wi-Fi devices, like some hotspots, but because the IT department does that, I'm not sure exactly how many got rolled out. I don't know how many of my own kiddos have that. And I can see that since this all happened, everybody's logged in within the last couple of weeks. So I feel like access is there it's they're looking more so right now I, I think for comfort and entertainment rather than education so they're a either looking to pass the time or b looking for some kind of social emotional support and less about the content yeah how long have they been uh have you been doing you know been out of school i guess that's the question since March 19th, so almost oh, two so months at this two months, point. Yeah, so and it's starting to get close and to maybe burnout. And yeah, yeah, we finish on the 29th, so there's two weeks. So, oh, okay, yeah, I think they're kind of ready, counting down the days, <laughs> right? Yeah, so Scott, that's that's really interesting about the fact that students really need that social emotional learning. And at a certain point, yeah, maybe they're starting to count down the days and um, ready for it to be over. And also just need that comfort that, because there's so much uncertainty now, even about the fall and what's going to happen over the summer. Those that are you know, trying to figure out their summer plans, they don't even know what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Um, and there's so much news that everybody's sort of keeping track of. So I can certainly understand that. I know that when you're in the classroom, you know, you say you're a self-professed tech-infused instructor. I'd love to know how you define that for yourself and also about the fact that that allows you to give your students voice and choice and also with your colleagues. So I know that's a lot of things. 
So sort of I'd love to know first about the Tech Infused Instructor self-description and what that means to you. And then either student voice, um, how do you do that while you're usually in the classroom? I imagine it's difficult now that you're out of the classroom. Yeah, there are definitely some challenges now being outside of the classroom. And in fact, uh, I've probably reverted to an older technology, the, the phone call. Uh, to make many of my contacts <laughs> these days. And those have been the best contacts, honestly, just Amazing. hopping on the phone. Uh, so it's interesting during this super tech infused time, uh, you know, quote unquote, old school tech is, you know, the go-to. Uh, that's been the most meaningful in terms of relationships. But typically, uh, as you stated, being a self proclaimed uh, tech-infused teacher, I'd say I, I do that by working on 21 first, or 20, 21st century um, job-embedded skills. So sending emails, communications, uh, accessing things from a central location and knowing how to upload, download files, basic uh, soft skills like that, I embed that into the course. So we do a lot of that in the beginning until they get a feel for it. Uh, it. It's all just a lot of practice. And then it, it does become part of their grade. Did you upload the proper file? Is it a PDF? Is it this type of file? Because we need that professionally. Uh, for example, I had to sign a form and I, I scanned in uh, a photo of a form, but they didn't want that. They wanted the PDF. And so oh, uh, the, the yeah. real life, real life experiences are very much like that. And you have to know how to get these different file types or how to access things. And right. so I embed that in the course as well. And sending an email, uh, you would think, hey, they know how to do that. Not necessarily. You're and right. I was I, gonna say that, you know, we shouldn't assume that they know how to do those things. Right, I'm finding that they're not. And I did some internships with, local business partners that are quite successful in the community. And the number one thing they said that they have to train their new employees after college on are soft skills. So being on time. And so we really have a lot of conversations on that and talk about the importance. And I use real world examples uh, from my own experiences and from local community professionals uh, to show them hey, it's not just Mr. Noon saying it, uh, like yeah. this is the real world. This is where you're going out into. Uh, you're going to have some deadlines. Of course, I'm going to give you some grace, especially in extraneous circumstances. Mm -hmm. However, you need to plan this way. And part of my feedback loop system is if I have something that's significant, like a, a big PBL project, there's feedback all along the way and there are certain deadlines for that feedback. Like we might have a weekly check-in. So you need to update your project by Monday so I can check it, give yeah. you feedback. So if you miss that deadline, you're gonna miss that, that feedback, that acceleration, because I essentially let them know where they're at grade-wise, and then they can self-assess on their rubric. So it's really training them for a system of self-checking and giving them those skills as well. And then I'll talk about things like social media, like how to market oneself, like, oh, this is really important because this will help you market yourself 
later on, or if you understand this poem, you'll uh, be better at understanding song lyrics and can um, kind of, I guess, be better with your relationships with your peers um, by understanding common pieces of media. So I try to tie it all in into the bigger picture. Yeah, what, keeping... what are the ages of your students? So I have ninth and 10th graders. So anywhere from 13 to 16, generally, not too many 13 year olds, uh, but I do get some. Yeah, so that, that, that's a really important time for them to be prepared for all of those things. And really, we shouldn't assume that they knew, know all of those things to, to begin with, because I know I've had college students come where, and they don't know how to attach a file to, uh, to an email. So, you know, those basic things that we would think that they would know, but they, they know what they know, you know, they know what they They've, uh, they're used to and the things that they, they want to do, which is a lot of social media and so forth. But then to know how to use social media to help them and to enable them to communicate with each other and also with others is really, really important. So um, I understand better what you mean by tech infused. I, I like that very <laughs> much. I, I, I really like that. Um, I, I see behind you, you have Maslow before Bloom. Can you just tell me a little bit about that? Right. Why so is that I, important to you? <laughs> that's really important to me because I, I think before you can even go after the standards, you really have to know the person. Uh, to get the most out of my students, I have to have a strong relationship with them. And so that's paramount right from the beginning. I, I don't assign big items that first week. Um, some teachers may give the kiddos like an entry icebreaker day and that's it. Uh, I give them a week, week and a half of that, but it's also very intentional. We are doing some work, but I'm really ramping it up. And really that first quarter is all a little lighter than what I might give them the second quarter which is much heavier because I've earned their trust. I know how they work. They know how I work. And so I feel like it's a little more fair to increase the load. And then I ease up when they come off break in quarter three a little bit and then really um, hammer them with things, you know, not, not in a mean sort of way, but I'm able to really work hard um, and get the most work out of them. Uh, quarter four, and we, we do some pretty big projects. So I'm sad about that right now because that I quarter bet. four I project is neat. I was just going to say that to you. Yeah. Yeah. But I am really proud of my students. I, I'll give you an example from this year that I'm really proud of. So I have a student that typically doesn't do well. Um, the student didn't have the greatest self-esteem. They didn't think they could do this big project that was worth 20% of their quarter three grade. We spend eight weeks on it and about 20% of our time. So I call it the 2020 project because it's 20% of the grade. We spend 20% of our time on it. And this student was really passionate about her little cousin that uh, has some form of childhood cancer. And she wanted to raise some money for cancer awareness and raise money for 
the families that have to go through this, like typically uh, from where we're at, we're 70 miles away from San Francisco. And so a lot of people will go to either Stanford or UCSF uh, and then stay at a place like the Ronald McDonald house. Well, that costs money. There is some funding for some families, but you know, it, it greatly relies on donations from people like us, just everyday people. And so she created a hoodie and shirt company uh, using a company like Teespring. She used a different one, uh, but she raised over $2,400 in those eight weeks and donated all that money towards cancer research and to one of those houses. So I'm really proud of her. Yeah, that is so amazing. And it's, it's really proof of the fact that when you have students able to choose something that they're passionate about. Yes. And of course, it was something that she learned from. I'm sure that there were certain requirements of the project and things that she had to do. And I'm sure that she learned even more than that because it was something that she was really interested in and she got involved in the fundraising and all of that. And so that project-based learning is something that I'm really passionate about too. So. That's definitely voice and choice right there. Um, it's, it's wonderful. And it's good that you were able to do that um, and in light of everything that's going on and that she would continued with it also. Um, and so I know a, 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 at the beginning you gave us a little bit of advice about the kinds of things that you do with your students the first week or so or even the first quarter. And I think that's so important because the things that you mentioned that you got to know about the students are really things that uh, gain their trust and also give them the idea that you really care about them. And I think that's probably why you're able to push them a little bit harder or push them a lot harder even toward the end of the year because they know you're looking out for them and that you'll be there uh, to catch them if they fall. So what, what are some other pieces of advice that you could give teachers who are looking um, to do a little bit more than maybe a one-day icebreaker or trying to get that relationship going with their students, especially the students that are harder to reach? What kind of advice mm -hmm. would you give them? Ooh, um, that's a great question. I would say it's at least threefold. I would say, first and foremost, be yourself. Be your authentic self. Don't try to be like somebody else. Doesn't mean you can't take aspects of somebody else and try and incorporate that and weave that into your classroom design, but you have to do something you're very comfortable with and passionate about because without the passion, the students won't buy it. You absolutely need to be passionate about whatever you're doing and you have to see the benefit yourself so you, you can't be told the benefits you have to believe it and that may be you trying it out beforehand so whenever i'm doing a student choice board or a pbl i've learned you know what i have to do the project myself and that is the best way it's time consuming up front but yeah. it pays dividends and then you can make little tweaks so every year um I make tweaks to my assignments to conform with, you know, the next generation of, of kids, the next class. I, I learn from each class a little bit and things transform. And I would say 
be active on social media. It's okay if you want to be a lurker and just kind of beg and borrow and steal a little bit from others and not uh, create so much and share that out. Uh, I would encourage you to do both though. Uh, if you can't start out checking out what's there, but then when you mimic something and try it out, share out with the author and creator of that, what you did and let them know, hey, here's what I did. And if you changed anything, what you changed, because you might be teaching them, you'd be surprised at how many times somebody will come back to me and say, hey, Scott, uh, you inspired me, I'm going to make this change to my design. And uh, obviously, I haven't been in the game that that long, but the teacher community is excellent. They've really supported me. Without the amazing teacher community, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah, that's so awesome. I think that's such an important point. If you've uh, used something that somebody suggested to really, be, and then tweaked it in your own way, um, something that comes to mind is uh, Noah Daniel, who, who does the, the bobs. Mm -hmm. And Carol Salvak, uh, who is in Texas, she has a lot of second language speakers and also newcomers. And so she's taken uh, the, the three Ps uh, and she's transformed it in her classroom. And of course, giving credit and so forth. And the two of them back and forth have really done a lot with all of that. And I know that you share out a lot, Scott, um, through your podcasts and also on social media. And uh, I'm sure it's just wonderful when you see somebody's used something and, and uh, you know, probably tweaked it. And then you've said, oh, yeah, maybe I could use that next time, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. And this background you're seeing, it's a poster. And my buddy Phil Pulley and I came up with the concept together. Uh, we just had many conversations about Maslow over blooms and then talked about where does tech fit in and so let's That's see if so i move cool. this way you could see Samer and tech um yes, there yes. so tech even though i'm really passionate about it that's not what comes first right yeah and you're you're all about the relationships i thank you scott so much for being with me on this podcast today how can people find you? What's the best way for people to find you? I would say this? the best way is on Twitter. You can find me at Mr. Noons Teach. I'm also on Instagram at I am Mr. EdTech. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Voxer as well. Okay. And of course, tell us one more time your, your podcasts. Oh, yes. So the TNT EdTech podcast with Matthew Ketchum and then Education Today. Yeah, and definitely subscribe. They're great podcasts. Thank you again, Scott, for being on my episode today. I really, really appreciate it. And I've learned so much from you. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure and joy. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, Journeys to Belonging. Um, and the next episode will be out in two weeks. In the meantime, you can connect with me on Twitter at Eileen Winokur, I-L-E-N-E-W-I-N-O-K-U-R, or on Instagram at Eileen underscore W. And you can also find my blog uh, at the website, 
https colon forward slash forward slash cultures dot build. See you in two weeks. Thank you.